You're listening to Producing with Purpose, an ethical business podcast with me, Tony Corrales. We'll be speaking to some of the greatest CEOs, creatives, founders, and entrepreneurs who have established and managed companies that put ethical practices at the forefront of their mission, all whilst navigating the challenges of the business world. Hello, welcome. You're listening to Producing with Purpose. So this episode is absolutely awesome. I'm I'm happy that you're here listening to this because I already know you are going to get value from this. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Robbie Lockie of Plant Based News. Robbie's got an incredible backstory growing up in Zimbabwe, moving to London, and then working in digital and working in design, UX design, SEO, a lot of stuff that really resonates with me and I find really interesting. Now, we don't actually speak a lot about that background in today's episode because there was so much I wanted to talk to Robbie about in terms of the actual, you know, the nuts and bolts. You heard me say that a few times the nuts and bolts of actually growing a media empire such as plant-based news to over a million followers on instagram half a million subscribers on youtube and reaching 70 million people across all of the channels that they work on per month it is an absolute mammoth it's amazing and it's really really great it was lovely for me to chat to robbie i was really excited for this one um and you'll hear today we just get stuck straight into talking about what it actually looks like to manage and grow you know social accounts of this kind of scale as well now i really hope you enjoy this episode as well because it's actually a bit of a transition in the format Um, and there'll be a micro episode that's either just gone out before this goes out or that will just go out after where you'll hear me talk about the the pivot that i decided to make where i was listening to lots of podcasts where you know you speak to guests like robbie and it's how i know that he grew up in zimbabwe and it's how i know um, some of the you know early days of plant-based news and what was happening and that stuff's super interesting but if i was able to find that out when i was doing my research then it means that you can go and find that somewhere else too and i really want this podcast to be about you know that about challenging the people i speak to to really draw out their expertise there's a reason that they've acquired the success that they've got so i don't necessarily just want to talk about the story of them getting there but I want to talk about the the actual strategies and the tactics that they've used to get there. So in this episode, you're going to hear Robbie and I talking about, um, you know, what in Instagram has really developed over the last five years that they've been doing this, what content resonates, the importance of showing up relentlessly and always coming and being consistent, that consistency and efficiency is what makes success. You know, if you're using Instagram Lives, that you need to show up at the same time every week. There's no point just doing one at random or it's going to flop. All of the things and all the strategies that are really actionable. So make sure you listen all the way through this. We talk about some great, great actionable insights. And as well, we have a little bit of a segment, which, you know, uh, I'll nod this one over to Gary V. Um, I felt like it was the only way to really address some of what we were talking about was with a bit of an overrated or underrated look at some of the social platforms so you know what robbie thinks of tiktok using things within instagram like instagram lives igtv short form versus long form content this is a real you know on the tools chat and i think you're gonna love it so here we go introducing robbie Lockie of plant-based news today 
on Producing With Purpose. I'm really pleased to have on the show Robbie Lockie. Obviously, we're doing a remote one here as Robbie's over in London and I'm here in Melbourne, although I would like to get to London to also see my family at some point, but such is the way of the world at the moment. Um, But Robbie, it's great to meet you and great to have you here, mate. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. A pleasure to be here. Cool. So, um, Robbie, you are the the co-founder and co-director of Plant-Based News and um, with Klaus, who I believe is your your other co-founder. Um, now, I've, obviously, I've been doing my sort of digging and research, so I know quite a bit about your backstory, um, but it is a bit of an interesting one. So if you want to dive in and give us the, I suppose just give us the quick, you know, minute or two background of how you came to be doing what you're doing, and then we'll get really sort of stuck into the, stuck into the nuts and bolts of it. Mm, absolutely. So Plant Based News w- was uh, formed about five or six years ago uh, by my good friend Klaus Mitchell. Um, he saw an opportunity to kind of talk about this fringe movement at the time that was gaining ground around the world and was being sort of popping up here and there in the media. We didn't see enough of a concentration on a bird's eye view of what was going on. And he started a YouTube channel and started sort of working with people on YouTube to sort of chart the, the growth of this uh, strange and fringe movement that was going on seven, eight years ago. Um, and about a year, well, just under a year later, the two of us met at a vegan event and um, kind of got along, really re- got along and sort of, you know, got to know each other. He actually helped me move into my home, um, my previous home, and we just became really good friends. And he said to me, I'm, I'm doing this fun project. Do you want to get involved with me? Do you want to help out? At the time, I was, you know, super keen to use my skills um, to sort of further the vegan message. And we started working together. We started working in my spare room. We built the website. I took over the Instagram and we started creating social content together. And it was really a lot of fun. Cool. Um, And then out of the blue, really out of nowhere, we got a message from uh, a guy called Khaled Awalid, Prince Khaled Awalid, an amazing man from um, Saudi Arabia who decided that he wanted to support us and he sent us a message saying i actually love what you guys are doing and i want to support you um so we sent a message back um he was super excited to hear from us he didn't think he was going to hear from us he actually said (laughs) i'm amazed that you replied i wasn't expecting a response um and he bought um into the company bought a share of the company and said to us i want you both to quit your jobs and focus on this full-time because it's really important work it's a really vital for the world uh, that more people learn about plant-based diets and you know the the welfare of animals is imperative to our future and so Klaus and I um, stopped what we were doing and poured all our love and energy and blood sweat and tears <laughs> sorry it's my cat that's okay. blood sweat princess princess nala um, blood sweat and tears into um, the whole kind of business and platform and it just kind of evolved into what it is today really like the world's leading vegan news media platform where we disseminate health information, education, conscious living. Um, we produce regular articles, a lot of YouTube content, and of course, all our social content as well, all freely available to up to 70 million um, people a month across the world, across all our social channels. Um, and I'm very proud of what we've achieved. It's a, it's a, it's been a lot of work. It's been a, it's been a, a mm. challenging, you know, few years, especially with the pandemic or us locked up at home. But I'm very proud of what we've achieved. And yeah, it's a very exciting time. It is. And actually, when I was, you know, doing my pre-research for this chat, um, it was only earlier this afternoon when I was listening to another podcast you were on that I heard that story about you receiving that email um, 
and understandably at the time as well you were just you know you thought it was basically spam which is um, kind <laughs> yeah. of understandable but that's such a that's such a cool story and it's um yeah i mean it's definitely a serendipitous moment or like a real opportunity that you had to capitalize on but prior to that point um i suppose do you do you think it would have been possible without that interjection without somebody coming in and uh you know putting that opportunity in front of you did you ever think that it had the legs to go as far as it has um, I think it uh, it did. I think what has allowed it to grow so quickly is it allowed class and I to really focus all our energy and all our attention on the business. Um, I think if we hadn't been doing that, if we hadn't been focused, it probably would have taken a few more years. It would have taken a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for us, focus is what's got us to where we are today. It's allowed us mm-hmm. to really, like, bring all our kind of energy into a point um and sort of create that content so you know the the consistency and the focus is what's got us to where we are today yeah absolutely so when you obviously you started off and it was um it was originally a youtube channel how i suppose how many channels or how far had you branched out before you got to that point and you know you were able to then start hiring other people into the team as well was it a bit of a juggling act to decide what channels to stick with at that early stage the YouTube channel was the biggest, um, and then followed by Facebook and then Instagram. Um, I guess we, you know, what we struggled with really was like where to put our energy because obviously mm. there's so many social media channels. It's quite hard to know where to place your energy. Um, but YouTube was doing well anyway. Um, so, you know, our focus has pretty much always been on video. We're a video first platform in that sense. Yeah. Um, with regards to sort of getting support and help, um, we had a lot of volunteers and people who wanted to be involved. Um, sort of intern type roles where people mm-hmm. wanted to sort of chip in a few hours here and there. Um, you know, several of those people still work for us today. They're now our full-time employees of the company uh, and are an integral part of, of what we do on a daily basis. But it is a difficult sort of thing to start off with because as a small business or a, or a startup, you don't have tons of money to pay for like a 20 man design team or you know five video editors or whatever you have to be really scrappy about it you've got to sort of try and pull together things work with lots of free resources we use lots of free resources like you know unsplash for our images and you know we use this Mm -hmm. thing called story blocks where you pay like 90 dollars a year and you get like unlimited amounts of video content um and you know doing a lot of things remotely as well helped a lot um we did some traveling and we did some kind of content gathering we went on a couple of trips to the usa where we met loads of people and pulled in loads of video content and that really has served us for a good few years so yeah, it's about cool. optimizing your time and resources that's that's been the major challenge for us yeah that's a really that's an interesting take on that as well and it's you know it's literally a um a challenge i find myself with is everything now and you will have seen this even in the last five years that everything is content and obviously your your business is entirely content so that's always been the case um, but for so many people, it's a real driver. And before, you know, before I jumped on this call with you, I was over behind us where we've got some stuff set up and taking pictures of our product and just trying to like, you know, generate today's content. Um, but I think maybe in this stage, people also don't give enough credit to those resources like Unsplash or Storyblocks where you can pull stuff down because it can still serve as a good supporting asset to whatever narrative narrative it is that you're trying to tell especially if you are you know news sharing your podcasting or something like that there's a lot of great stuff to lean on there and make the process a bit easier Mm. 
It, it is, and there's so many free resources. Um, I just discovered another site recently called Pexels, P-E-X-E-L-S, mm. and that's got tons of free video content, just like Unsplash. You know, you, if you have your own stuff, whether you've got a product or a service, I think mixing and blending in all these free resources and remixing them, because obviously you have to be cautious about using free resources because sometimes things can end up looking very templated yeah. or very stocky, stock photography. Um, you don't want your website to look like everybody else's. It does need that kind of variety and I think that's when you, you know, take all that content, stick it in a blender and just sort of mix it up, really. Mm. Like, I think that's where the challenge is. But it's, I do understand it's hard for a lot of people because they might not have the design resources that they need. They might not have a designer. They might not have any design experience. Um, that's where, you know, products like Canva can come in. Canva is a fantastic tool. It has tons of templates where you can start with a basic framework of, of, a, of a look and a feel for something. And then you can just swap out the images and, you know, tweak the typography and the the colors to give it to make it uniquely your own. And then it's just trial and error. I mean, I think, you know, don't be afraid of going for it and sort of just experimenting with creation and look what's out there. I think I would say to people like, if you want to learn how to do something, look at what your competitors are doing, trying mm -hmm. to sort of mimic it and mirror it, but put your own slant on it, your own angle on it so that it, it has uh, it's a, a uniqueness that is is yours. That's awesome. And do you think as well, like one thing that I've definitely noticed there to be a shift of, um, and especially, you know, in, again, in the current era of um, new social platforms as well, like TikTok coming along is the more the rawness and the more authentic that your content looks, the better it actually seems to resonate and the more people mm. seem to engage with it, which should actually be a bit of a blessing for people starting a business off at the beginning, because you don't have to worry so much about the polish. You don't have to worry about having the prime equipment. Um, you can get by oh definitely i think if you spend too much time on your content and it looks too perfect it can end up looking too much like an ad uh, and i think content that is too addy in its nature may quite likely perform underperform because people mm. are so the only thing about social media as incredible as it is it's just become a giant like shopping mall right Everywhere you go on Instagram or Facebook, there's ads being pushed at you. And so users are becoming more and more savvy and more and more kind of inclined to want to sort of like switch off to stuff. Obviously, you know, there's been some big changes in the ad landscape with Apple updating their operating system, which stops people yeah. being tracked. And so retargeting, which means that when you go and use an app, you are no longer, the sort of advertisers are no longer able to target you if you choose not to be targeted, which means it's, you know, it's better for us from a privacy perspective, but it's also bad for advertisers because you don't get custom ads. You get a lot more kind of, you know, mishmash of stuff. But that being said, whether you're tracked or not, you know, as users, we're still being bombarded with advertising all the time. And so your organic content does need to stand out. Uh, and sometimes that means just being a little bit less perfectionist about it and actually yeah. focusing on the message um, and and the watchability or readability or shareability, you might say, of the content. Because, you know, you can end up, as they say, you know, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. If you spend too long on something, you could have done five pieces of content for the time you took to sort of agonize over a single piece that might not necessarily do that well. Completely. And I'd say there's nothing more disheartening as well than spending absolutely ages on a piece of content thinking that it's going to be this great polished end result. And then it just flops as well. That's also, mm. you know, you feel like it's a waste of time, especially when time is so I've crucial. Experienced that. I've experienced that a lot. And it's disappointing. You know, you think, what is wrong with people? Why do they not like this amazing piece of content? <laughs> 
and it's the algorithm. The algorithm shows the content. A lot of people don't know how algorithms kind of function. And, you know, they're like an, a sort of giant A-B testing machine. You know, when you put a piece of content out to Instagram, it shows that piece of content to a sample audience. And if those people um, engage with it, so they watch it, they share it, they comment, then it will show it to a bigger audience and a bigger audience. And obviously, if it continues to gain that momentum, it's a bit like a ball rolling down a hill gathering moss the more moss or audience it gathers, the bigger the audience it reaches. And so it eventually the sort of, you know, the North Star is it ends up on the Discover page, which is in the little magnifying glass on Instagram. You see it in the top of your feed. That means it's trending. That means that a lot of people are looking, watching, sharing, talking about that piece of content. And that's ultimately what you need to do with your content. You have to create things that are going to create discussion, entertain, inspire, amaze, you know it's controversy it's sometimes dangerous to play with controversy but i (laughs) think creating controversial discussions can also get you into the discover feed maybe for the wrong reasons (laughs) but yeah i think always thinking about the signals that you want your audience to give the algorithm which is um as i said you know comments shares likes these days on instagram specifically it's more about saves and shares then, then, then comments. You want people to actually share the content, which shows yeah. that they've actually enjoyed it. Um, that, so they've taken the time to share it. So encouraging your audience to actually share your stuff without what's called engagement baiting. So don't necessarily tell your audience to share the content in the caption, because actually the algorithms potentially down rank content for doing that. So because obviously you're artificially asking people to share. People should share stuff on their own volition rather than being, you know forced into it (laughs) absolutely i mean it's it's a pretty you know it's a bit of a tricky landscape but it's a lot of you know this information is at least somewhat relatively available because you know what i guess the great thing is is that every brand has to fight this battle be it you know somebody who's just launched or whether you're coca-cola you're still fighting for really working with the algorithm so there's a lot of people out there doing it with a lot of money to also do their own testing and their own optimizations as well and actually get down there so at least we've got base points to work with um but i also wonder as well obviously you came into this and you you were able to get funding um which is obviously great because then you can as you say it's all about focus and you know there's been a bit of me working on this i came to a point i was like even though it was very early days i had to quit my job and work on this business full-time because i know it's the only way that i can give it a fair a fair go and my other co-founders are you know luckily as crazy as i am to jump into it um but what did it what did the process actually look like where you were no longer well you're always somewhat relying on the funding but you were actually able to turn this into a profitable model Mm plant-based news became profitable what was that kind of tipping point it's a good question. Um, we are running as, at a profit now as business, and after four and a half, to be our fifth year soon, you know that's quite an achievement. I've heard and read many times that most businesses go out, go under after the fourth year mm-hmm. because you kind of run, run out of money, you run out of savings, you run out of opportunities. Really, for me, it's about diversifying your your revenue streams. Um, obviously, we have lots of different ways in which we earn money. There's revenue from programmatic ads that come in through like videos, video display ads on on youtube um display ads on our website um and also working with brands as well and making sure that we have a variety of revenue streams because obviously you know if you put all your eggs your your vegan eggs into one (laughs) basket 
um, all, all your berries in one basket, as, as we might say, you know, you can end up like shooting yourself in the foot because obviously, you know, if you lose that one revenue stream, your whole business could go under. You know, yeah. once upon a time, a lot of people had based their entire businesses on their Facebook page. And then Facebook came along and changed the algorithm, the time well spent algorithm, as it was known as. Mm-hmm. And it completely removed those pages from people's news feeds and entire businesses of 30 to 100 people went under because all their energy and attention was built around a single page. But what we did was we decided to spread ourselves out. Obviously, that has been a challenge. We did spread ourselves quite thinly, but we're on every single major net platform. Hmm. We've created bits, little bits of content that we could repurpose on every single platform so we could grow so sort of simultaneously across all the platforms together. So if we lost our Facebook page tomorrow, it wouldn't be such a problem because we've got half a million on YouTube. If we lost our YouTube, it wouldn't be an issue because we have a million on Instagram. You know, it, 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 having lots of different sort of pots that you're sort of fostering and looking after on your socials and your marketing channels is important, but I think also diversifying your income, making sure that there are lots of different ways in which you can generate revenue for your business. Is it a subscription model selling a digital product? Do you, if you have a physical product, making sure that you know you have something that can can easily be sent worldwide. I think you know people who get into food, especially cold foods, mm. I really take my hat off to you if you if you're doing that kind <laughs> of work, because it's really really hard to deliver cold foods you know, across the street, let alone across the country or the planet, right? Um, but I think, you know, it's just if you want to make money with products and create stability in your business, you, you've you got to do your market research. You've got to understand, like, what's out there and where the gaps are um, and to fill them, you know, because it isn't an easy thing. I think if, you know, if this business or these kind of businesses were easy, everyone would be doing them. Um, yeah. But they aren't, you know, it's about trial and error and testing things. We still haven't got it 100% right. You know, we still haven't, got the stability that I would like uh, us to have but I think that in time the way we sort of monetize and develop the platform we will find that stability and that will come from in my opinion from our audience Mm -hmm. how do we have a relationship with our audience how do we have a relationship with our customers you know they are our customers we're providing them with a free service so technically not customers but you know how can we develop that relationship in time Mm -hmm. and really look after them I think a lot of people talk about this sort of core audience um, or core customer base of like you know a few thousand people look after those people give them little extras here and there throw a few extra things into the box when you give them something you know when you see a person's name popping up on the order list all the time you know p- put a little treat in there a little something special put a handwritten note so so you know for me about like building that that relationship with your with your audience your customer base is important as a founder or as a you know marketing director whatever you know we should be in the dms ourselves talking to people getting a feel for what people want understanding people's needs hopes fears dreams whatever i'm in the dms of our instagram which got a million followers every day talking to people having one-to-one conversations with people and sometimes people say why are you wasting your time that's not a good use of your time but for me, I like to be able to sort of get a, a temperature of what people are, are talking about. You know, are, are we creating content that's pissing people off? Are we creating content that's inspiring people? And that and the DMs and the comments are where you see that. So I think for me, it's really important to understand what your audience or your customer base wants and how they feel about you as a brand and everything that you're doing. Absolutely. It's so key now as well. And it, it comes into the whole the whole thing, as we were saying, you know, not making your content too polished is all part of that authenticity and people love it if people know that you're in the dms and you're having that conversation 
Um, you know, whether you're a brand with a million followers or you're a brand with a thousand followers, people really appreciate that. And there's, you know, there's so much value if somebody leaves a comment to to go and acknowledge people as well. It's those little things are the little bits of connection that we get to have. Uh, and it doesn't go unnoticed as well. And that's, you know, that's what we find. We managed to get very good engagement, but because that's because we're constantly engaging as well. And it's, it's key to mm. get that. I think, and one thing is is to is also too important to remember is the the way you connect with your customer is to don't is to not rely completely on social media because of the algorithms and the way they work. We have a million followers on Instagram, but when I post a piece of content to Instagram, if I'm lucky, only ten percent of the audience will actually see that. So um, you know there is that limitation there. So this is why it's really imperative to build your email list. Build an email list as of as many people as you can and build up that one-to-one connection between you and a customer and also your text message um, uh, database as well where you can text people directly. Yeah. Text messages have an open rate of like 98%. Yeah. Um, you know, Build your phone number database of all your customers and your audience and have like text conversations with people. You know, WhatsApp is a great way. WhatsApp business is a fantastic way of having one-to-one relationships with people. Mm. There's a, another fantastic platform called Community, which is a text-based platform unfortunately only us and canada at the moment but it allows you to have you know one-to-one and one-to-many conversations via text message with people uh, and again that has like a 95 to 98 percent open wow. rate and you can really really build uh, one-to-one relationships with people unlike on social networks where you're being held back by algorithms because they want you to pay they want you to pay per post don't they that's it like always constantly pushing for the boosted post and it is it is strange because there are so many things that we give our phone numbers for and at the moment you know sms marketing is massively undervalued really because not everyone's jumping on it um so you can and the thing is as well is you know taking a brand again like ours which is smaller is if we engage in sms marketing for some reason it makes you it makes you look quite impressive even though it's no more impressive or complex to manage yeah, than it's like an 20 years system. old right yeah it's, it's like 25 26 maybe more actually no it's more than that it's like it's like 40 years old i i, I do it text messages and and sms services like you know three four decades ago yeah. so or maybe it'll maybe you'll see the same revival that the qr code has had in the last couple of years mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah um so talking you know you say there that you're you're in the dms and you're very hands-on obviously um, just taking a little bit of a sidestep before we go back to some of that stuff is what what is the for you now what is the day-to-day I suppose first off is what is the plant-based news team now comprised of how big has that team gone and how has mm-hmm. your role evolved I suppose from those early days to now we've got about 10 of us full-time um, oh. and you know aim to sort of you know double that before the end of this year ideally if we can mm. um, and <clears throat> our focus really my focus is uh, the content and creative direction so making sure that what we are producing is um, of a high quality um, you know I focus very much on like the social media side of things the strategy you know making sure that what is going out to social media is properly formatted and um structured in the right way and also just planning really you know content planning content strategy is a vital part of it we don't just show up at work and then just randomly decide what we want to post today Mm. i want and and do plan with a team you know weeks or months in advance we have a content calendar from here till december and in every month we have all the sort of like important days um you know the sort of world something day or world that world that day Sorry, my throat's really dry. Um, And, you know, our focus is like knowing what's coming up, 
is going to give you the opportunity to create great content because you're planning in advance yeah. rather than like, oh, today's World Potato Day. Let me just quickly make a fun meme about potatoes. You know, <laughs> if I'd planned that two yeah. weeks in advance, I could do a recipe and I could do a graphic and I could do a, I could do a, a plan alive with the, the, the international potato <laughs> director or whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. give that person time to sort of like book in a meeting with me and book in a live. I think planning your content is a really, really important part of this game, making sure that you know what you're doing in advance, even if it's a, just a week right? Maybe you don't have to do a month or two months in advance, but try and plan a week in advance. Sit down on a Sunday, you know, spend two or three hours working out what content you're going to put out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. When are your lives going to happen? Um, when are you doing a reel? You know, just planning that stuff out so you can organize your calendar in your diary. I think that's really important. The difference between what I'm doing now and how we were when we first started was when we first started, it was very reactive. We would just turn up, we'd, we'd create the content, we would go home and it would just be this sort of like mad treadmill. It's mm. still a mad treadmill, but I feel like I have a lot of stuff, you know, planned ahead of time rather than it just being a, a reactive process. We're much more proactive now. Yeah, a plan, you know, the ongoing treadmill, but at least you've got some, your hands on the controls somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um so a little bit of a tangent i suppose from what i wanted to do but it's it's interesting and i did wonder how much you were in the day-to-day strategy of the different um content streams as well and from everything we've talked about up to this point a lot is you know is definitely the answer there um so one thing that i'm interested to see and the best way i suppose i can think of asking this question and i'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with gary v gary vaynerchuk and his yes i am underrated, yeah, very familiar. yeah his underrated overrated um thing that he does but it seems like a really great way to actually ask you on for different channels or for different facets of them whether you think something at the moment is underrated or overrated or overvalued so to speak mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so one thing i'd like to know that on is your view at the moment you've talked about instagram lives there or going on lives so is Alive's at the moment, you know, underrated or overrated? That's a really tricky question because it really depends on you as a person and what you're doing. Um, lives are massively overrated if you never do them. Um, mm. Doing a live like once every few weeks, don't bother. Yeah, okay. Because the algorithm is not going to recommend you and you're going to get absolutely no viewers. If you um, if you're doing lives regularly, then you're going to get great results and you're going to get a really dedicated audience. So plan your lives, make sure that there are roughly around the same time every week. People anticipate them. They know, oh, there's a live happening. I need to jump in because I don't want to miss this great guest or whatever. Don't just spring lives on people. Um, so it really that's really tricky to say whether it's underrated or overrated. It depends on your strategy. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. How about um, IGTV these days? So IGTV um, is massively overrated, in my opinion. You can spend a lot of time creating long-form content. And when you look at the watch time, it's like 2%. Mm. You know, we'll get like 200,000 views, but 2% of people watch the whole thing. Um, It doesn't matter how good it is. People don't seem to watch long content on Instagram. They don't. They're there flicking away, scrolling away. You know, Instagram is priming the, the audience for shorter attention spans that's why they have reels of like 15 seconds and one minute um i think instagram has primed an audience for like really short bite-sized type content 
Uh, IGTV is great. Uh, you know, it, you can create great content on IGTV, but you've got to be really creative. You've got to use that 916 format, in my opinion, layer up videos, stack up videos, you know, use animation. You've got to keep people engaged to keep their attention. Because if you don't do that, people click away because obviously on the newsfeed, when the IGTV comes up, you have the first like 15 seconds, I think it is. And then the button pops up and says, watch more. 98% of people drop off at that point. Yeah. So is there any point in putting long form content on Instagram? My opinion is no. Yeah. I mean, even in the, I think in the, like the nine months since we started releasing things for our brand is we, we did IGTV at the beginning and we sort of announced our launch and had a bit of an IGTV thing. I'm like, wow, this actually gets pretty good, um, pretty good traction. It does get the views. Mm. And I find that since Instagram has released Reels, I feel like they've absolutely decimated their, you know, their presentation of IGTV and they're just not showcasing it because they want to mm. draw people into the short form content. Yeah, and they, wanna, they want to compete with TikTok. Yeah, uh, which is the last one then is, is in your view at the moment. Um, and I know, you know, I was, it's actually coming up in a question about your use of TikTok as well. And I know you've got, you've started developing a presence there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's your view on TikTok and especially for something like plant-based news? TikTok is massively underrated. Uh, I think a lot of people see it as this place where kids just dance in front of the camera to music. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a huge, I don't know the numbers, but it is a gigantic audience. And for us, it's a huge opportunity because there's a lot of non-vegans. Whenever we post a piece of content, 90% of people that comment are non-vegans. Mm. So that is a great space to have fresh conversations with people that are outside of our echo chamber. So maybe we should be looking at TikTok uh, for you know fresh opportunities and fresh eyes for the stuff that we're doing. Um, for me, TikTok is all about like short-form, bite-sized stuff, same as Reels, uh, getting people's attention, educating people. There's so much great educational content on TikTok. Um, and also, I think one should think about serializing your content. Don't just wake up and just decide to create something random, plan something out, do a series, do it like a four part series on something, how to use your product or how to, 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 you know, to do this or learn about that. I think it's important to try and create series so people anticipate part one, part two, part three, mm. you know, gets people hooked. It's the same reason why people are hooked on Netflix and people, you know, binge on series on Netflix because they want to know what's coming next. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh- it's so it's so true and actually even as you say that i think of um you know there's content on tiktok where i see a lot of behind the scenes um you know photographers or content creators and they show the behind the scenes of how they make this incredible shot or what they do and then they don't they don't reveal it in that post if you want to see the reveal you have to follow them because they'll post it in a couple of days and it's like these Mm -hmm. are you know these are not to say it but they're they're kids on tiktok who are making Mm -hmm. this content and they're absolutely nailing those strategies better than 95 percent of brands with teams of you know digital strategists working within them it's pretty damn impressive it's about building building intrigue right and and that applies to any social platform if you give everyone if you if you give away the gag or you give away the the hook in the title of your video and in the first few seconds of the video, why should I watch the rest of it? Mm. If you if you say everything that needs to be said in the first 30 seconds, then why bother droning on for another 15 minutes about something? Um, kill your darlings, as they say. Like, cut out the, 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 the unnecessary stuff from your content and keep it really, really to the point. People are really busy. They're overwhelmed. There's too much content on social media. There's too mm. much. It's, it's too intense. That's why algorithms were invented, 
they were invented to deal with the gargantuan amount of content that's being pumped into social networks every single second. So, you know, like, think about people's time. Do you really want to waste 15 minutes of people's time dribbling on about, like, whatever it is that you do? Like, get to the point. Like, explain, explain, distill everything down into the smallest, shortest possible thing. And if people want to learn more, you can always write a blog where people can, you know, click through and read more. And if you do really want to drone on for 30 minutes (laughs) or something, you can put a, a video blog or you could do a podcast. Audio, audio is, is the space where people are like, right, I'm sitting down, I'm going to listen to people talking about something and now's my time to learn, listen, whatever. Yeah. You know, you, this is the space for long form content, in my opinion, mm. or something like Clubhouse, for example, which, which is still massively underrated. I think people are not really using it anywhere near enough what it, what it could be used. Yeah. Um, so. Well, at some point, I'd uh, you know love to get you on a clubhouse chat, and we'll talk about this even more. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think giving people the license to say, right, sit down and listen for thirty minutes is is what about priming your your customer or your audience member into um, into a certain state, right? But when they're on Instagram and they're on TikTok, their brain is primed for like fifteen seconds. Mm. Or thirty seconds. So don't be disappointed when you know you upload your IGTV of like two two hour IGTV, and you're like, oh, it's not getting any engagement. I wonder why. <laughs> Absolutely. I wonder if there will actually you know become a point, and and obviously as podcasters in for both of us, uh, you know, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, and it's when I get in the car, that's my podcast time, or when I'm walk, working or walking into work. Um, but I wonder if there will become a format where it is almost like that 15 second quick digesting, but in audio formats. So when you are driving, you can still get that, you know, you can still get that Instagram scroll rush, but in an audio format. I feel like maybe that's, um, mm. that's mm. what comes next. Yeah, I think massively. I think that that is possible on things like Twitter. You can publish like short form audio. I don't know what mm. they're called, but, but tw- I, I haven't seen Twitter pushing it much, but yeah, the short sort of like, you know, shareable bite-sized chunks of audio clips um, would be great, I think. Because as people are doing things, they're cooking, they're cleaning, whatever they're doing, they're walking, walking the dog, you know, having little bite-sized chunks of knowledge coming at you from an audio perspective is uh, would be great. Yeah. Um, so, look, there's one more. I feel, I'm, I'm glad that we got to speak so much about, um, you know, about the social side of things. It's It's something that I'm hugely interested in and coming from you know marketing and agency background it's great for me so um and i want to talk a little bit about your podcast as well but before we do um one thing i wanted to know is you know i don't want to get caught up in the sort of vanity metrics of posting and things like that but was there a change in strategy or was there a sort of difference in how you grew the accounts between let's say the first hundred to the first thousand followers between the sort of 10,000 to the 100,000 and the 100,000 to the million? Did you have to employ mm. different strategies to get past those certain milestones? No, not at all. So the strategies remain the same all the way along. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Mm. And creativity as well, of course. And I say like efficiency plus consistency equals success. You know, um, efficiency obviously is is intertwined with creativity. 
Um, and you know, consistency is about showing up and doing the same thing and repeating it on, over and over and over again. Obviously, the content strategy has been uh, adapted. In the beginning, we we're a lot more vegan and vegan this and vegan that and vegan the next thing. Um, but what we did was we, um, I wouldn't say we watered down the message, but I would say that we made things a little more palatable for the last few years. Yeah. And that's allowed us to tap into a much bigger group of people. We've made veganism a little bit more attractive by not going so hard on the animal rights aspect mm -hmm. because animal rights, as much as I am, you know, a passionate animal rights campaigner and advocate, um, it's not a topic that most people want to be involved in because it's scary, it's shocking, it's, it's depressing, it turns people off. Um, so for us, you know, our focus was to then shift towards plant-based nutrition, conscious living, ethical travel, ethical fashion, all these kinds of things, and really like help people understand that being vegan or being plant-based is quite exciting. There's great food, there's incredible recipes. It's a, it's a revolutionary way to live. Um, and it obviously is good for your body and the planet. So focusing on that stuff over the last few years has really helped us grow our audience massively. Mm. Now that we're bigger, we're starting to push the vegan stuff a little more back in. We're yeah. sort of, you know, now that we've got to a point where we've got enough uh, engagement, we can start to sort of push the more hardline vegan messaging because we've kind of established a strong user base now. Because obviously, ultimately, what we want is if we are going to push the hardline vegan stuff, we're not creating vegan content for vegans. We're creating vegan content so those vegans can share it to non-vegans yes. and inspire them to switch uh, to a plant-based diet. So that's been the strategy or not <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> it's just to sort of like, you know, focus on who we are creating content for and remembering that, you know, if we want people to share stuff, it has to be palatable. It has to be interesting and engaging enough. And we can't just sort of just churn out hardcore animal rights activism and expect to grow and continue to grow because obviously there's a plateau. There's only a certain number of people interested in that type of content or who will engage with that type of content. A lot of yeah. people will switch off from it. A lot of vegans will switch off from hardcore um, animal rights content because it's traumatic. It's it's triggering. It's emotionally depressing. Um, mm. So I always say sort of it's a 95-5% approach, 95% uplifting, positive, life-affirming, inspirational, and then 5% shocking, horrific, depressing. Keep that stuff to a minimum, but when you are sharing it, you know, be very selective about what you share and try not go overboard with all the blood and guts and gore and all of that. It's just not necessary. I know it's horrific and it's horrible and sometimes it does shock people, but it also desensitizes people. It switches mm. them off and that's not what you want. It does. And I think as well, there is within some of the animal rights stuff is, yes, you will, you will continue to um, get some of your more hardcore vegan following behind that. And that that's great. But your mission here as well is not as well just to grow your, you know, it's not just to grow your business and grow your site, but it's to spread this message. And if you're just spreading it to the people who already know it, then we're all just cycling around in the same place, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. softening it down. The amount of people that will be following your page for many years, probably before making a transition to, you know, going fully vegan or something like that is great because you're, you're there showing how, how possible it can be. And that's, that's what's so important now is just showing that, We've done a great job in the last few years of showing people that we're not the crazy vegans that they once thought we were. Um, but we need, you know, we need to keep that up and we need to keep showing it as accessible and inviting. Um, and I yeah. think that's definitely the way to go about it. I always say that, you know, think of veganism like a club, like a music club. And there is a big bouncer at the door and the club is on a, on a, 
sorry, a club is on a, I'll let you cut that out. <laughs> a club is on a high street and there's this bouncer at the door. Now, if people walking past are the non-vegans, if they come to the door and the bouncer is rude, obnoxious, aggressive, um, do you think those people are going to go into that club and join the party? Or do you think they're going to keep on walking and go, hell no, I'm not going in there. We have got to make the lifestyle attractive and fun and approachable. Um, I think once people are in the party and they're there and they've had a drink, then talk to them about the horrors and the horrific things and sort of get them um, to open their eyes a little bit. Because mm -hmm. if they are in the party and you don't tell them about this stuff, they leave, right? Yes. Because yeah. they're like, oh, I'm having fun. I've had a drink. I'm off. Off I go. I love my metaphors. So, <laughs> you know, I think once they're in the party, I've had a drink and they've built trust with you. This can be the same with customers. You could apply this lot, this methodology to anything, really. But once they've built trust, then you can start dropping those hard truths on people, in my opinion. That's my personal opinion of how yeah. we should be advocating for veganism. Have that, build that, that friendship and that trust with the person first, whether it's over a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever, and then start sort of slipping in that stuff. Because I think for people to, to go vegan and stay vegan, my opinion is that they need to know about the horrors of animal agriculture. And it really needs to sort of like burn into their minds yeah uh, because for me that's what motivates 95 percent of people to stay vegan a lot of people mm. drop the vegan lifestyle for health issues but i'm not sure how many of those people actually have been immersed in the animal rights aspect of of the conversation so i know that's a bit of a wild tangent but i think it's really important to 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 choose your tactics wisely when when having this conversation with people I think so. And as you say, it is, you know, it can be applied to many methodologies or to, to models. And ultimately, it sounds, I suppose it's a bad word to use, but it comes down to um, whether you're selling something online or you, you know, you're selling this lifestyle. Conversion is the, is the final, yeah. it's the key objective, um, you know, for, for how that goes. And it is, it's the, it's the giving, you know, it's the same for content. It's the same if you're a brand, you need to give, you need to give, you need to invite people in, you need to show them value, you need to generate the trust. But then you need to come in with the call to action, basically. And that's the same. Mm. We need to, you know, it, it applies in both ways when you're trying to get somebody to take an action that's either, you know, that's going to cause them perhaps some short term pain in parting with money or changing their lifestyle. But they need to understand that that action is is imperative to because of all the things that they've learned up until that point. And I think another aspect, and that's right. And I think another aspect of this as well is community, making sure that people are connected. I think mm -hmm. once a person has joined a new lifestyle or new way of living or, or or joined a community, it's important to sort of foster those connections and keep them going. And you could say the same for like a customer base if you've got a brand as well. Bring your customers together. Create a Facebook group or yeah. a WhatsApp group or a Telegram group or have, you know, special fun days that in, your, in your city where you have big meetups and you bring everyone together to, you know, talk about their shared interests or whatever. I think that, you know, Bringing people together over shared interests are what form strong bonds, which keep people moving forward in whatever that it is that they're doing. Um, so, you know, fostering and building community is, if it's not really a social network, it's the original social network, isn't it? Yeah. That's a massively <laughs> underrated, <laughs> that's yeah. the massively under, underrated sort of like part of marketing a brand or marketing a platform is connecting your audience together giving them sort of a space that they can 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 yeah. Inter interconnect yeah the, the actual social networking yeah sure excellent I, I really yeah that was a great great tangent to go on. and i'm glad you know again with the podcast and it's the point of it is bringing you know people like you on who have got these views so it's great to get into a little bit of that as well and be able to get some of that um down and recorded 
So just before we close out, I suppose one last thing I want to cover off and um you know for anyone who listens to this show um ongoing they know that i always try and have a selfish moment where i talk to the guest and you know try and um try and get a question answered or talk about something that we're having trouble with at this point um Mm. so you know we've talked a lot about the actual growing of plant-based news and things like that and how you know you've built you've built that whole structure up um, but coming from the other side, so if you're a brand like like I am or other people listening to this who are starting their businesses, um, what do you think the best way is to start building uh, your media presence and getting featured in things like plant-based news? Obviously, there's, you know, there's paid, there's paid spots in being in things like that. You know, that's um, how that goes. But then there is also guest posting. There's getting press releases published. What is, what is the sweet spot and balancing of actually getting out there? It's a good question. I actually get asked it a lot. How can we get uh, featured on Plum Based News or how can I get into a magazine or a newspaper? And there is no secret formula, but there is a simple principle. If you want people to write about what you do, you have to make it interesting. There has to be some kind of hook. What is it about you that's special? What is it about your brand that is unique compared to your competitors? Is there a personal story about your family? Is there a grandma who you know took a pilgrimage across the mountains and the of the Andes and found this special flower that is now integrated into the <laughs> recipe of your whatever that is? You need to have an interesting backstory. I'm not suggesting make something up, but I think you have to, you know, dig deep and find something that you know is uniquely your own. Um, and if you don't have a story, you have to go out into the world and and make it through and find it through lived experience. Um, I think that the why reason a lot of brands struggle is because their story it might not be that just that interesting. And there's just so it's a bit of it's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow, right? You're like, why are nobody noticing me? I really love my product. You know, my my brand is my baby but nobody's answering any of our emails nobody's getting back to us and it's just because people might be getting an email and you're one of like a thousand different brands that are the same look the same sound the same and there isn't a uniqueness to it the other aspect of it is your usp what's unique about what your product does and the way it looks you know is it is it its packaging is it the way it's shipped is it the people who make it is it the you know the ethical aspect of it what is it about you that is unique compared to your 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 competitors the actual physical product itself you have to stand out from the crowd one of my most favorite stories uh, of this sort is um a brand called Dove Soap. Now, obviously, Dove is an internationally recognized product and brand. But once upon a time, Dove was just a soap like anybody else, just a regular soap bar. And it'd sit on the shelf um, and, you know, it sold quite well. But then after a while, more and more people sort of entered into the space. This is many decades ago. Mm. And um, the marketing people in the Dove team said, well, we need to be able to stand out from the crowd. What can we do? to uh to you know sort of start selling more product because we're kind of disappearing into the background and they came up with the idea of a moisturizing cream bar rather than a piece of bar of soap a moisturizing cream bar and they went from being just a boring soap bar to this moisturizing cream bar <laughs> and created a whole new category of like body um cleaning products that included moisturizer and had never been done before and the sales went through the roof it was completely new and exciting innovative um and burst all sales records. It's probably one of the most famous stories of the sort, carving out a new category for yourself, not completely changing what you do, Hmm. but creating a new category for yourself where you do stand out from the crowd. 
Another one uh, I love is um, a very boring product, Domestos, right? Which is just a bleach, really dull. Like, you know, who who really cares about bleach? But in the supermarket, uh, there's a lot of bleach products, uh, and they all look the same. They're gray and brown and dark blue, and what are these different boring colors? And uh, the, the agency behind this campaign said, let's make the bottles bright neon pink, so super bright that they stand out. They literally glow on the shelf. And the sales records and the sales of this product just shot through the roof just by changing the color of the packaging because it stood out. Um, you know, humans are visual creatures. You, you imagine yourself there in the supermarket looking at all these boring, dry products, and then you see this bright pink thing sticking yeah. out uh, in a sort of wall of gray and blue. Um, something as simple as that could completely turn your business around. So I think it's about like thinking outside the box. How can you stand out from the crowd and get your customers to notice you, but also to get like um, PR companies or um, news outlets to notice what you're doing. You have to create something unique. Awesome. That's a re- that's a really great answer. And you know, as you say, a lot of people have asked you that along the way, um, and I feel like that's a well, you know, it's it's a well constructed answer that's genuinely helpful as well. That's a really really good bit of advice. That's great. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, okay, so you know, I want to start wrapping up, and as as you know hosting a podcast yourself um there are times where you could just go on and on and <laughs> you just got to be somewhat <laughs> yeah. you know somewhat respectful of the person on the other end so um just to close that out then i just wanted to give you a chance to tell us a bit more about what the next 12 months has in store for plant-based news what's on the horizon for you and of course then all of the all of the plugging that you can you can cram in um, and tell everyone where to check it out so by, hopefully by the time this podcast goes live, uh, we will be launching um, an equity crowdfund, um, cool. which means that we will be accepting registrations from people to buy a share of plant-based news. Um, we were thinking about going to angel investors, but we decided that we wanted to launch um, an equity crowdfund and and sell uh, a share of our platform to our community. And that funds, those funds will help us elevate what we're doing. We need to build a bigger team, a more experienced team, and help us reach uh, bigger kind of audiences, really, and Mm -hmm. tap into bigger markets. We are looking to uh, launch a series on Netflix um, in the next couple of years. So look out for that. There'll definitely be um, serialized content from plant-based news about plant-based living on Netflix, um, which will be, you know, huge project but very very exciting um and just more more great content on social media about this lifestyle you know under uncovering those great stories and those incredible and exciting inspiring people from around the world who are you know who've been doing this lifestyle for many years or people who are just discovering it and doing exciting things in food tech or fashion or fitness or health or entertainment um we're going to be there covering those stories uh and making sure that you hear about them first Awesome. And all of the links to everything, to all the accounts and to your podcast as well, will all be included in the show notes here. Um, so, Amazing. yeah, the last thing to say then is thanks so much for your time. That was a, that was a great chat. That's flown by. It's really nice to get stuck into the, as we said, the nuts and bolts of things. I think we really did that. Mm-hmm. So much value there for everyone listening. So, yeah, Robbie, really appreciate Hopefully it. that was useful. My pleasure, Tony. Hopefully that was useful to someone out there, but um, always <laughs> great to chat. Excellent. Cool. Thanks very much thanks again for tuning in and listening to the episode if you've got this far right to the end 
then I can only assume that you really enjoyed what you heard today and it brought you some value. If that's the case, then please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and drop us a review. It really helps us grow the show, get more guests on, and we really appreciate your feedback. Thanks again. Thanks again.